Malone. I am. (laughs) Thank you, Malone. Uh, I am Ryan, a.k.a. Rainforest, and um, I have a bachelor's degree in sociology, and I have, uh, I, let's see, as well as a bachelor's degree in computer science, but I also have spent uh, six years in prison, and, um, and I got out last year, and, um, and then my guest host is actually, he's not my guest host, he's just some guy who's on my show, according to him, and his name is Malone. Um, he has spent 30 years in prison, and he also just got out. I last. have a GED. He has a GED. He's very proud of that. Yeah. And um, and tonight we actually have a a guest with us tonight to talk about the criminal justice system. Um, and um, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, my name is Justin. I. Honestly, just a, a layman on the subject. I do sort of engineering tech support for a kiosk company in my in Colorado, so I know almost nothing about the criminal justice system <laughs> apart from what uh, what's on television and and books and serial podcast. I do like those. I serial. I am also a big fan of serial. Yeah. That is a good. The they do an excellent job of storytelling on yeah. there. So the late, latest ones haven't been about criminal justice, but uh, but yeah, the first two seasons. Very informative. Very cool. Um, so tonight, that is why we wanted to have you on, is because you don't have a whole lot of in, um, experience with the criminal justice system. So Malone and I are going to pose a situation for you, mm-hmm. and we want to hear what you think happens, and then we're going to talk about what we've had to deal with from our experience. And, um, and also, as you know, see how you think the best way to deal with the situation is. And we'll also talk about what our experience has been and also what might actually help versus what possibly what might you think help, or you might just get it all right. And we might've just been (laughs) idiots who got locked up. So, um, so yeah. So what I was thinking is, um, and tell me what you think Malone, um, like you're out, you're having fun night and then you get pulled over for a DUI. Does that sound like a pretty basic uh, case, Malone? I, I have heard such stories, yes. Okay. So a pretty common story. Sure. I've, I've been pulled over before, so. Okay. That's, that's but, not, not but not for a DUI. No, not for a DUI. Okay. So, um. And I'll, I'm going to add another... Well, I don't know if I've heard... I mean, I guess some people... You're, I'm not really sure why you're asking this question. You're saying that... Is that one of the common reasons that people go to go to prison or what? I'm just trying to give him a scenario that he can talk through. So he can just not just like ask him what he thinks abstractly. Just thinks like... So he can like talk it out in his head is the reason why I'm asking him this, this question. Like specifically DUI. And I figured that's a pretty common one. It's not a, um, it's it's not either of our cases, um, even though it's a little closer to mine. But it's it, it's just a just a basic something. It's a um, it's something that has the potential to be a felony, and potential 
to get you to get you prison time. And it's something that could go could go either way. Uh, and I don't want to go too extreme on like it's it's hard to go to the extremes because then you you kind of get a picture in your head and I don't want to do that. I want to do something just neutral kind of a crime that anyone could be charged with that most people think that anyone could be charged with, I guess is the best way to put it. That, that sound fair Malone. Uh, yeah. All right. So a little long winded. Yes. Well, that's, that's because I explained it. Um, so, um, and I'm, I'm going to add one, one extra wrinkle. You, so you've been out, you got it, you had a DUI, um, and, um, you're not, they didn't, you know, you don't, you, during the accident, you don't like, you don't really remember. It's all kind of, kind of hazy and you're not in the vehicle when the police find you. So, um, go, so what? You're making this really complicated. Maybe, maybe I, they asked me what I'm doing out here, presumably like check my ID and stuff like that. Right. Uh, and then proceed to arrest me. Yes. Okay. So that's the first step. So what? What do you? So what are you doing in that situation? Uh, so I, I'm assuming if I'm being arrested at that point that uh, I could ask at that point like why they're arresting me at that point, and they would they have to tell me why they're that it's is for a DUI, right? No, no they don't. No, have, they can just throw me in the car. They they don't. Well, they're not necessarily gonna. They're so generally, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to ask you, "So what happened? What did you do? Why did you do this?" Okay. They're, they, they, that, yeah, Malone. Like, what? What are some other questions they're going to ask? Like, right, right away. I'm sure. The first thing in my mind, I'm thinking is that we're trying to. We're, I think we're asking the wrong questions. Instead of what I spent all the time, he's coming at the point of what is the actual. They're supposed to do, and that's one of the things that you and I are always talking about: is that all the stuff that you're supposed to do, all the stuff that are supposed to happen, and and uh, what you uh, what you the the uh, rights and so forth that you relied upon aren't aren't what happened at all, and and for the most part, you don't get you don't get any of those rights. You don't get any rights other than what you than what you uh, fight for. Now that's not always the case because. I mean, police are human beings and are not absolutely monolithic. So, I mean, sometimes you can be treated excessively or, or, you know, with a, or, or gently or whatever. But it's not all the case. It wasn't the case. So I'm going I'm to sum up what you just said, Malone, because our connection is really bad right now. Um, basically, what you're saying is not asking the right questions. It's about... It's about what we're what's supposed to happen versus what 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 rights you know because we're not getting the the rights we have certain rights right yeah uh, maybe I maybe I should just continue instead of asking you like what can I do at this step maybe we I'll have just, like, these go a general process uh, yeah I mean go ahead Milan what were you gonna say about beliefs I'm just saying that as you know I have had general beliefs as a that American, that there's you know, certain processes, alienable, innocent, guilty, 
all these other things, right? And almost all of those turned out to be wrong, or at least how I saw them to be turned out to be wrong. Well, I don't that be what they thought it was going to be Right. So, and what, so what Malone just said was he heard the beliefs that he had, almost all those were pretty much wrong, which is basically where we both kind of fell on this issue and we didn't, didn't have any understanding of it. And I really, honestly, I like where you started out because I think you were hitting on that point, which was they have to tell you why you're getting arrested, which is honestly, that's, that's actually in the law that they're supposed to, they have to present to you a reason. Like there, there's actually, it's, it's the habeas corpus. It's a big part, but it it's, but really in practice, the police do not have to tell you why they're arresting you um, in, in the action, the habeas corpus, they've pushed back till when it's in court. What, what actually happens in practice is that they, they ask you questions and they're, they're constantly asking you questions and here's a question I, I can ask uh, uh, at this point. So you know you're drunk. You know something bad has happened that you might be responsible for. You don't. You it's unclear, but you you have okay. a, at least a strong suspicion. And um, and you you're you're in that state, and you're with a police officer. What is the best thing to do when he's asking you this question about what happened? Perhaps have been tainted by too many internet videos, but basically just don't talk to the police while you're getting arrested is is the lesson I have learned from various, both television and internet videos of, what's a, uh, I'm blanking on what that's called, the, uh, basically the people who think they're free citizens of the U.S. and don't, like the law doesn't really apply to them because they're, they're free citizens. Uh, I forget what that movement's called, but uh, anyway. Yeah, it's a, basically stay silent, wait until you're... Uh, you mean like those militia people that do that? That, you know, like move out? The, uh, the militia people that do what? Say they're outside. They do, you know, they're into that, well, what he's saying. They, they, oh, they yeah. have these certain beliefs about their rights and all that, and they say... I've heard of these people that join, like, these militias that, that do that, and then they run off and kind of sequester themselves and... Uh, yeah. Compounds. That does everything. happen, but that's that's a separate thing. There's, uh, I really wish I could think of that. Well, I'm not a first fan of my. I I personally, honestly, I think more often than not, what happens is not that people think they're above the law. I think that they get the impression that this this will help them. You know, like there's an impression that the more they disclose, the more that this will help them going forward. The better impression it makes. That it makes. Even even though I did do this thing, that it's going to present myself in a better light, and I feel like uh, because I mean, it's it's like when you're a kid and you try and hide something from your parents. A lot of times, you'll get punished for the thing you did, but then if you hide it, you get double punished for the sure. for hiding it. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's hard for me to put myself in in such a situation, but I uh, generally, certainly, my instinct would be to answer whatever questions people are asking me. Because, like, I've I have I worked with uh, EMS for a while, and my parents worked with EMS and stuff like that. So, I, I, in general, I I want to like police officers, but uh, certainly know from 
uh, reporting and media and whatever that you have to be careful with your with your rights and what you say. Uh, yeah, when getting arrested or pulled over or anything. And and it's not and not for me this none of this is coming from a dislike or uh, anything of police officers. Uh, to me, it's just a this is they're doing what they've what the training is for them. They're looking they're looking for a problem. It's kind of um, when you're when you're looking for a problem, you find you're 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 finding that's what you're looking for. You're you're gonna find it, yeah. um, and that's and so when they find someone outside a car, uh, yeah, okay. what, I, I totally agree with you there. I don't think that's gone at all. I mean, this this scenario that you're talking about is very much the one that Sandra Bland. Sandra Bland was being arrested for evading arrest. He had no, no reason whatsoever to arrest this woman. The cop just was drunk with his own power. I didn't Sandra Bland to act the way that you were saying that that, that some people think they should that but she did she didn't believe that she should have been pulled over and all this other stuff. And so this cop was gonna teach her a lesson about how she's supposed to respond to authority. And whenever which is completely against the law, it's completely against a violation of all of her rights. And, and drug this woman out of her car and wrestled her down in the mud and arrested her. And his reasoning was, is that she resisted arrest, which is, I mean, it's circular logic. I mean. Yeah. Um, she, when you... she resisted uh, treated badly by cops. Yeah. Uh, she resisted having authority of uh, this cops abusing his authority. Use of excessive force. Not really, she didn't do anything wrong or illegal. Right. Uh, it, it, was exactly all to the excessive force. That's why I mean I have a hard time saying oh, the cops are getting attitude like you, that whole that podcast you made me listen to about the Punisher symbol. Cops are getting this attitude. There's people, bad people, and I am here put on this earth to stop bad people. So the bad people become people that they don't like, and there are people that have an attitude of them and so forth. And then all all the rules go out the window at that point because they're bad people. They're criminals. Yeah, that and, the right. The, the and the the podcast, the, the, all the rights and everything. The pendulum of power swung so far in the, in the favor of the police officers that, of course, someone wealthy, famous, have you know, they want to like that. Just do whatever they want to, and then that. So I couldn't. I couldn't hear the end of that, but I I did certainly hear the pendulum swung so far in the power of the police, and I I generally agree with that based on what I've seen, based on George Floyd, based on qualified immunity stuff that I've seen cropping up in the news lately. But uh, as far as the process goes, I I still. Um, I guess I generally feel like in, I, I don't know, in your average traffic stop or whatever, okay. it probably goes a, less hectically on average, but I, I don't know. I mean, how widespread is the problem other than, well, I, sorry, not, yeah, than, just how widespread is the problem is, I guess, the question I would ask. And that's that's why I'm trying to to make it very specific, so you can kind of you can walk through the process and kind of see how it's supposed to turn okay. out. The the traffic sp 
I feel like it goes all the way to the traffic stop. Because but it it's not the same because you don't when you get go to the traffic stop, you don't get labeled, but you can you can even from the traffic stop you can end up in the same place. It's just but it's easier to see it picture it when you kind of you have serious hanging consequences in front of you. Okay. So and like the the reason I like the DUI example is because it it's a good balance of what you can have you can you you can really have almost no consequences on one side and you can have very serious consequences on others. We've seen both. Yeah. Both of us have ex- had experiences with both. We actually had an episode where we talked with a guy who he had he had a DUI, he had 10 years. And wow. those 10 those 10 years he well, I don't even know what year he was on, but when he was in with us, he had some very dire consequences inside because he was inside. Um so so the so the question is so what determines that? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we can continue the scenario. I, yeah, I assume so. If I had my faculties with me, I would probably try to stay more or less quiet while I'm being handcuffed, put in the police car. Okay. Um, Which is great. That that is yeah, the proper I mean, thing. Just I, so the people listening know that is okay. that you learned. I did not think the TP would teach that, but yes, that is a great <laughs> thing to do. That's absolutely it recommend. Really, if you're in trouble, do that. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 honestly, it does come from just internet stuff. It, a sovereign citizen is the thing I was thinking of earlier. Uh, people who say they're sovereign citizens and they can. Look into it if you're interested, basically. Okay. But in the comments, it's always like, know that you just should stop talking to them. If you're under arrest, just stop talking to them. Get in the car. Yeah. Sort it out later. If if I'm drunk and I need to sober up or whatever, doubly so, I imagine. Right. If I can control myself. Uh, And then I put me in the car, bring me to the the station where... I assume they put me in the the jail cell at the, at the station. I don't know how. It depends, the, uh, and and so I'll walk you through this part because okay. this this one is you're not going to know it unless you've been there, and it depends on which one. If you're in a, going to a city, in my situation, Malone can can argue with me. He might have had a different experience with on his end, but when I went to the city jail and I was in a small suburb, you went right to a, your own cell or right to a cell. And yeah, uh, like it, benches. Where yeah, it's like, a, it's like a it's a glass. A there's, a yeah, there's a glass wall, and then the whole wall's lined with benches. And there's one toilet, and there's actually a phone in there. And oh. then, um, and so you you're in there, and you can, and you know everyone gets thrown in that tank, and then um, that's that's where you are for actually well. Actually, where I started off at is I went into a, I went to the hospital. They took me to the hospital. They cut off my clothes. They, you know, they looked at me. They, I spent the night over there, and then they took me to the city jail. But but in a DUI case, unless you are clearly injured or whatever, then you're going to the you're going to the city jail. You're going, and you're probably going to go to a block like that. And then, but if you're going to like county or something like that, you're going you're not going to a cell. You're going to booking. And okay. in both cases, it's the same thing. You're getting booked. And booking is where they're going to get all your information. They're going to take your fingerprints. They're going to... Um, get your mugshot. Yeah. Your, your mugshot is like one of the last, last things that's going to happen. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a long process, but it's just you... 
Like if you're if like in Collin County where I they eventually moved me to, Collin County you don't go send send a sale sell. There's a big room with TVs, um, two TVs on like or two TVs on one side and two TVs on another side, and then there's like three rows of chairs facing each um, TV, and one is for women. One set of three is for women, and one set of th- three is for men, and they're just faced opposite each other, and you're just stuck in that room, and people are stuck in that room for days at a time, waiting to be processed, and I, yeah, I, I've heard like because TV sort of presents the like you can hold them for forty eight hours or whatever is the max you can hold anyone for. Oh no, but right, and then I but I've heard conflicting stories about people being held in jail for ages and ages just because. They don't have the manpower to process everyone or maybe or whatever the case may be. Maybe like a holding for questioning thing. There, I know there's like – I think that's 24 hours is like okay. the max you can hold someone for – like if if you pull – like if an officer pulls someone off the street just to question them but they have no proof. Okay. But if they find you at the scene of the crime, you're they're putting you in jail as a suspect. Okay. And But it, but if they're holding you in – sus- limit to how long they can hold you for? Um, well, they got to give you a charge. So there's that was uh, that was actually one of the. Uh, that's actually one of the things that, we, that almost had the case overturned is that they illegally arrested me for the sake of being able to hold. They arrested me up. They took me in and arrested me without any charge whatsoever. And then later on, after. Holding after holding a window of the room, I don't know how long. Uh, they, they, they had enough information for me to charge me for a crime. You don't know how long they you were in there. No, there was no box. There was no windows. All I know is it was early in the morning. I left. It was nighttime at night. When I got there, it was early in the morning. When I left. And I actually got taken to the jail. It was nighttime. I have no idea how long here. I know that the, I the time that they always, the time that they actually put on paper, that uh, later on to put the piece to then charge me, or corporate charge me, charge me another one, which is capital murder. That was what was wrong. It's like head on there for like ten o'clock in the morning. I walked out of that room. That's yeah. I mean, I've I've like never been locked in a room like at all in my life. It doesn't. Huh? I didn't hear any of the anything you just said. I just said that uh, I cut you so I didn't hear what you're saying. When I was talking. Oh, okay. I had just said that I, I've never been okay. locked in a room, certainly with no windows for any period of time. But uh, it's, I mean, it, it some... does seem like you should be entitled to some sort of information as a. Well, eventually you do get. You'll go in front of it like I was within like it's about yeah I guess within 24 hours of when they took me in, they put me in front of a judge, 
And like the judges actually that comes to like came to the the station and like in a county, a, a county, county is actually the same building as the courthouse. Okay. So a lot of times when you go to like to your traffic court, that's also where the jail is. Hmm. So, um, so you go, so the judge, you'll go in front of the judge and the judge determines what your, says what your charge is and then um, says what your bond is. Okay. And that's, and that's how it goes. So you said you said there was a phone in the cell yeah. uh, when you're there. So are you just allowed to call whoever you want, or they, how does that work? From my memory, I couldn't make any calls on it right away. I had to wait. They made a. They gave actually. I think that phone actually like you. It charged you for making any calls, but there was one where you could you make free calls, and they they pulled you out. And they pulled me out after a certain amount of time. Then yeah. I was able to make my call and call my family. And, um, and then that's, and so I, and that's when I called, called them. And then eventually I think I made another call. I would like, I just called collect, which is what you have to do if you want to make a call from that cell. And then I just called them and, um, and checked in with them. But that's, um, but that not all places are going to have phones in the cell. That was just, there's no uniformity between processes on that you know no no like i mean one big thing was like there's no uniformity at all like about a lot of different things whether like i mean that one had plexiglass walls and a phone in the cell in dallas the next uh county over or the next city over um there's bars going up and down the way there's no phones to be had really at all. And then, yeah, yeah. I mean, facilities aside, that's going to be yeah. city to city, but it seems like there should be some sort of process as TV shows. I want my phone call or whatever, where they get, you can insist that you get a phone call. You're going to, you're going to be processed right. and it'll be, it'll look a little different in each place. They're going to, you know, take your, usually at some point in time, usually once you reach County, then you're going to, cause they're going to, everyone from city, <laughs> Well, so I was saying, yeah, there, so there is a, there is a bit of uniformity in the process. You're going to go through booking. You're going to go through the, um, go through that. They're going to probably send you, after you go to city jail or wherever, they're going to send you to county. Um, the question is, um, so um, then you're going to get ch- your, you're going to have your charge. And then, so there, then as you're getting booked, for me, it was before I got my mug shot and all that. That's that's when you get your your charge and your bond set, All right? Then once you get your bond set, like, what do you think? What do you think is going to be like the next thing, and how do you think that works with a bond? Uh, so I mean, I, I I would assume that I would have called a family member who would then be calling the police station trying to figure out what they need to do from there hopefully pay a bond or whatever that 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 is a great question what do you think happens with your family member like what what should your family member do uh first thing i guess other than doing some basic research on figuring out what to do from there i would i would expect they'd call the police station trying to see like what happened 
where do I need to go? Uh, so they would be communicating with the police station, trying to ask what what steps they need to take. Um, but are they able to just get information about me uh, after being arrested? It, they are able to get information. Okay. The police, I don't know what the police will do, honestly, on this on this front. They might be pretty helpful in layout, especially once you have your bond. A lot of times, if they call too soon, like let's say they knew right away that you about your crash and everything, or not crash, um, about about your DUI, um, um, and that they knew right away, and they knew you got locked up, and they called the police station right away. The police would probably say, "Well, he hasn't gotten, he hasn't seen the judge yet. He has to see the judge," and they probably would tell them over and over. You know, he has to see a judge. He hasn't got an appointment yet. He'll, once he sees a judge, and then the other thing is, is that they, um, and then once you see the judge, they might be able to tell tell them like this is his bond, and then that's about it. And like I don't I don't know what else they would tell him other than like you need to contact this person with the bond money. Bond money. Yeah, and that's it. And or, like, and I don't, you don't have any chance to talk to them between your phone call and. Know, potentially being released on you, bail. There are chances. There's usually like a, a, in county. There's like a another phone where you can call collect. There's another way to to do that. Um, but there, so there are other opportunities to make calls, and you can usually kind of sometimes you can you can actually call them quite a bit, but it's going to call that you're calling them it's collect. Call collect yeah. Um. So, but. The, really, the big thing that you're going to want to do is you're going to want to get a lawyer because that's um, because so I guess yeah. that's what when between being thrown in jail and being put in front of a judge, I guess I'm imagining something like I they take my possessions. Do I do they like put you in uh, different clothes in front of the judge or they might sometimes. Uh, I don't remember if I had, no, I was still in the clothes. Well, actually, my clothes were cut off at the hospital, but I was wearing like hospital scrubs when I went in front of the judge. Really? Yeah. So it, they're not going to put you in any issued outfit or not necessarily. You can, they, they can put you in front of the judge in street clothes or whatever you were arrested in. And that could be covered in blood. It could be uh, messed up. It doesn't matter when you go up in front of the judge. Mm-hmm. And um, and then you'll, and then, yeah. And then, and then eventually once you've, you know, once, if your bond hasn't come in by the time that they're gonna to, you know, lock you up or like to move you into, or to assign you a cell, then they'll give you your clothes, your prison issue clothes, and then put you in a, a cell or your jail issue cell clothes, I should say. Okay. And uh, so when the, when they put you in front of a, a judge, I assume you don't have a lawyer at that point, or do you? Can you get a lawyer at? You can get place? a lawyer at any point any in point? the. But okay. it, but the like if you're trying to get a state like or a like a free attorney or you know free representative, well then that's going to take a time. That's that's going to take a while. But when I don't, you're setting your bond, you you probably haven't had a chance to get a judge, uh, I mean, a lawyer there. 
Um, your unless, unless your family's been able to come yeah, and get one. If your your family should be working on it by that point. Because, and here's the other important thing that most people don't know. You you don't have to go through a bail bondsman. You don't have to, your family, because only certain people can pay bonds. Your your family can't just go up and drop a pile of money off at the police station and get you out of jail. Sure. The police won't accept it. I've watched it several times. They won't accept it. Now, either a certified bail bondsman can pay, all the, pay off the bail or a lawyer. So you have to, to, to pay off the, to get you out, to pay off the bond, you're probably going to have to have your lawyer, which yeah. you're going to need anyway. Yeah. Because, so, yeah, so you need your lawyer and you don't have to, like, try and get up. You, the, the, the police might tell you you need a bondsman. But what they mean is you need a lawyer, like or or someone who is certified to pay off your bond, yeah. which lawyers are, lawyers in that county are. I uh, I will say, luckily, I think my my family's a little more familiar with the procedure than I am. Right. Uh, not the yeah, the, not a ton but, of history in my family. But right. Enough that yeah, they know they know something that I certainly would not. But um, yeah, but I, yeah, I am imagining something a little more. I guess regiment in terms of like you have to have these steps completed ahead of time and you're just it, it sounds like it's basically up to the uh to the person to get that all started and make sure that the police don't just like push you through with right and that's and that's the thing is that it's not no there's no like do you want a lawyer at this point there's no they're not going to ask you and i here's another th- and here's something that happened with me i knew my family my family was getting a lawyer i knew they were getting a lawyer but I knew it was taking some time. And I didn't know when they got the lawyer. But I will say before I got the lawyer, the police did pull me into an interrogation room. And then they asked, started asking me a whole bunch of questions. And they started asking a ton of questions. And I I am sure I'm not the only one that they do this to. Yeah. And they knew that my family had a lawyer at this point. Because the lawyer had contacted them. Mm-hmm. So I um, – and so they were asking me a whole bunch of questions. And, and they did not tell you that there was – that you were getting – or you had a lawyer at that point. Or, right. Yeah. They, yeah, they did not – no one's telling me that I had a lawyer because there's – uh, yeah, there's no contact right now really. And so so they're not telling me and then they're, they're asking me a whole bunch of questions. And I'm just telling them I'm not answering the questions. And they dropped it after about like half an hour, and then and then I went out, and then seriously, they led me right out of that room, and my lawyer was sitting right there. That was the first time I saw my lawyer and knew that I had a lawyer. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there that, that stuff like that. Yeah, uh, and are, are these like a a different set of? So the police officers arrest you, and then. Is it like detectives that come and question you, or is it just different police officers, the same police officers? Do you... so, well, the there, it's all different police officers because there's the police officer who picked me up the night before. Like it's not his shift. Like I'm sure I had. I guess I'm just. I'm just wondering: Are the same cops who go out and arrest people? Are they the ones that do the questioning, or is it a separate? I think they all do all these different tasks. I don't okay. think there's like a set. There's not like they always talk about like desk workers and all that kind of stuff. No, I think everyone does everything. 
I don't think I from my from what I saw. Yeah. I could be wrong, but from what I was seeing, there wasn't like one set that specifically did desk work and one set that specifically asked questions and one set that went out. They were all kind of rotating. Okay. They all have different shit. I later on in like in uh in prison, like the, there's officers there and the officers like what would happen is is the officers would come on shift and they wouldn't know what they were doing that day. They would just be assigned. And then a lot of times you'd see them, they'd be really annoyed with their assignment. Like they'd be like, oh, I got this again this day. Or they'd come or they'd be really excited. Be like, thank goodness I have this assignment today. And like, because they don't get to choose. It's like, it's yeah. random. And like and sometimes- you like find out on the day. Yeah, you find out like on your shift. As soon as you arrive for that shift, that's when you find out what you're going to do that day. And sometimes your, your shift, you might arrive for your shift and you might find out that you're working two cities over. So please, like when you're hired, do not like, like this is, this is, a, this is, this always? is prison officers. Oh, okay. oh, right. Yeah. So prison officers, they would, they would find out they're working two cities over because there's a prison that's understaffed okay. and really literally, I mean, all of the Texas prisons were understaffed, but they would take whatever one for whatever reason they're all understaffed but like one might be especially understaffed and they just take uh as as many officers as they could from a nearby one and send them over to that one yeah i, I don't even know if i can imagine what happens in jail after that do you uh so how long between arrest and actually like getting in, in jail for you i guess uh, so, or, well, okay. Or in prison. Yeah. Okay. Not in prison. prison. So let's, so we can go through, through this process. So what happened? All right. So we had County, there was the, then eventually, and then I had met my lawyer a couple days later, my, I had bond. The only reason it was a couple days later was because my family was worried about the, the victim's family, um, retaliating. That's what they were worried about. So they waited a couple of days and then and then bonded me out. And then they, when I got out, um, then the process is trying to get a court date. And so whether – how long do you think it's going to take to forget to get court dates? I mean, it seems like it's probably a huge variability from state to state, but I've – it's, I know we are hugely understaffed in our court system in general. Um, and the backlogs are pretty huge in places. So I'm going to, I'm going to guess at least a month, but I don't know if that's realistic. I would say it actually, you're, you're right. As far as my, that was my grand jury indictment was took about a month. So the grand jury indictment was what a grand jury indictment is. And not every state has grand juries. It's all the grand jury says is, there is enough information, there's enough evidence to proceed with this case. That's all that a grand jury does. And you'll hear it in the news all yeah, the time. To me, that's that's the most bonkers part to me. Like just someone who is charged can have a month or more, like years I've heard. I don't know if that's true or not, but I've, I feel like it can be years for people between being charged and being getting to get a court date. 
like no proof, no evidence, no nothing is necessary. Just charge to court date. You can like lose your job. You can have, I mean, you can't take care it, of your entire life for it costs, that period of time. And my my cost, yeah. my bond was like thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars. And so if you can't afford it, you're in jail that entire time. And so you're sitting, you're sitting in a cell that entire time. Well, not, I guess you're not sitting in a cell that entire time. Yeah. I, don't, I don't like, that's not, that's also not an accurate picture, picture of what's going on in jails. But the, the thing is, is that when you're having that, when that's going on, um, so the, you have, let's see. So that, yeah, you have the, the grand jury indictment and which could take a month just to get that. And you could be sitting in a cell that entire time. Then you have more court dates. There's not just one if you're going to actually fight your case. If you're going to actually fight your case and say that you're not guilty, then you have a trial for, to prove guilt or innocence. All right, that's going to take if, – if you're in jail, which those are the ones who get the top billing, that's going to take at least six months depending on how serious the case is. Um, and then if it's, and then after that hearing, which that, I mean, that hearing could take a week on its own. It could be broken up into, to many different parts. Then after that's done, and if they say you're guilty on that one, um, then you've got, it could be another six months before you're sentencing and seeing what that's going to be and deciding what that verdict is going to be. Not everyone has a separate sentencing hearing. Not every state has that. So there is some variability in that one. But like in Texas, like I immediately um, went and said that I was guilty. Now, I will, at, this, is, this is a question I posed to you. What do you think of that? Was that the right legal maneuver or what do you think that was? Uh, how, how would that go in, in the situation I posed for you? So, in the situation where I genuinely don't know, yeah, am I being charged with more than just a DUI? In your in your situation, I'm just saying with a DUI, just the DUI. I guess I'd say yes. If that's if that's all they're charging with, I have a DUI. I know I was drunk. Yeah, I, I would say probably admitting that much. If if I genuinely didn't like didn't know what happened prior prior to that, and I suspected, I don't know. If I uh, suspected something more or they were accusing me of something more or if I thought I was drugged or something, I suppose. Th this is a point that Malone and I got into on the uh, very much on the last um, last time, like or on. Yeah. On one of the one of the other podcasts, which is should that does it help your case or does it hurt your case? And you're right. Maybe on a on like a just a DUI, it might help accepting responsibility the problem with it is, is that because you've accepted responsibility, the prosecutor can now hit you with everything that they've got. There's no reason to really go lenient on you. Now, it, there's also, because it's a, just a DUI, there's no reason to make an example of you either. But maybe, maybe there was like... Um, the governor's son just got hit by a drunk driver 
All right, and like your your case is coming right after that. Now, there's no now the DA might be trying to make a name by saying I'm going tough on DUIs. Yeah, and might and there there might be a situation like that. And so, if that's your if that's the situation you're in, and you say not uh, you you admit that you're guilty, and you go you go in front of that into that courtroom, then they. They have no the the DA has no reason to give you a plea deal, and they don't have uh, they don't like have to tell you exactly what your sentencing might be or or anything. You have your your sentencing's within a range. Yeah, and they so tell you that. you're. I'm trying to think of what. Um, so a DUI in Texas for like in in the first three DUIs, it's like two to twenty. Would be your your range. That also seems so bonkers to me. What that what that kind of range? Like what is you? So that's okay. In Texas, there's different types of felony charges, and if you get felony DUI, then it falls there's it falls in the same range as my charge, which was intoxicated manslaughter, and as in the same range as a bunch of other different crimes, as like robbery or which is when you steal or larceny with a weapon or something like that it all falls within the same that a very broad band um now if you like mur- murder someone that's five to 99 like and, and that's sure. that, yeah mm-hmm. I, I can understand those sorts yeah and ranges i guess but it does seem like a lot of these minor crimes the ability to take 20 years from someone's life for Right. Yeah. The the effectively. And maybe at one point in time the intention was is the judge they would have these broad ranges so that they could have they you know the crime would fall in this range and then the judge could use their, you know, understand the situation and then make a call on that. But that doesn't seem to be how it works in practice. In practice in generally in practice the judge really isn't the one deciding. Because the one who decides is actually the DA. The DA will, the DA makes the plea deals. And if he makes a plea deal and you sign the plea deal, mm-hmm. then the judge is gonna generally accept it. And that's 95, 95 plus percent of cases are resolved that way. Yeah, I think they talked about that in the second season of Serial at some point with it. Yeah, that, they went over that a fair amount. It's been a while. But yeah. I do remember the DA being. Uh, huge part of that decision-making process and they don't know anything about the case they're just they're basing it off of almost the political landscape not necessarily politics itself but like the politics of the well often da's are an elected position so if you're an elected position and you're not going to get elected as da's by saying i gave the minimal amount of punishment to the most duis that's not how it's going to work What's going to work is going to say I gave 20 years to every DUI who crossed my, my, you know, crossed entered my courtroom or something like that, or they usually in each county or each yeah jurisdiction they have a certain crime they target and they love to to make a big fuss about in my county and they intoxicated manslaughter was the one and that was what I what I had. Or any sort of really any sort of drug and alcohol offense, they love to they love to hit on those. Um, if 
some other counties, it's not as bad. In Tarrant County, um, they had a kid who who um, killed four people when he was driving, and he they gave him probation. So I mean, this is like that's one county over. <laughs> so um, it's it's totally it, it's dependent. Same state, same general laws that they have to follow, but there there's different different um you know different discretions and they don't all have to hit it all the same way but like i said it doesn't do the da if they're trying to get elected they're not going to promote themselves by saying they were the most lenient you're not not getting elected on a soft on crime uh platform right yeah so and that's like that's what hit me that's what hit malone who unfortunately i wish his stuff was working better but yeah (laughs) Cellular connection hotspots never going to be the best. I don't know what. I honestly, I think it's a combination of things, but we'll we'll get it figured out. That's yeah. Um. But anyway, the um. So let's see. So that that's a big part of it. The DA is going to decide your uh, the bigger factor in deciding your sentence. It's not the judge; it's the DA. Who decides the sentence? You're going to sign off on it, and then I mentioned they they don't know all up at the case. Do, do they? How much do you know? How much they get? Do they get the details? They, they can get, get all the things? details if they want. And one of the biggest problems is a lot of times the DA does not. Um, they do not have to disclose the majority of it, or they can, like the defense, they have to eventually disclose everything. Defense. But usually they won't disclose anything to the defense until the night before the hearing. So if you're trying to mount a defense, we can't. You can't even see what they have or what the evidence is until the night before the hearing. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so it. So they have they have a ton. Of, they have a ton of power. If they, and that, and to be fair, like now. If everyone, if every single person said no to plea deals and decided to fight their charges, mm-hmm. the criminal justice system would grind to a halt immediately. They couldn't process yeah. the cases. There's far too many cases. We have the most people locked up per capita by leaps and bounds compared to any other nation. Compared to China, like yeah. we have, we we have to. We have more, we lock up more of our population than China, which is to me it's crazy. We, we pay an arm and a leg for each each one of them too, as what I've heard. Yes, we, are, we it's it's not just that we we pay an arm and a leg. Like it costs it costs a lot of money. We get um, I mean we do to to a fair amount. Okay, I'll, I'll ask you a question. You get locked up, mm-hmm. and I said we you you know we're not just sitting in a cell all day. What do you think happens if you are there? You're in locked up in any place for any extended period of time. Jail or prison? Which? Um, I'll go with prison. Let's okay. like prison is just. So I'll tell you the difference between jail. In case you don't know, the jail is holding until you get your court, until you've gotten sentenced, and then prison is where you're gonna go for the long haul. Yes. So yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that. Okay. Um. Okay. So. I know very little about prison. The only things that I would have seen are probably the higher security levels in, in, in media. Okay. But, um, 
But I guess I would imagine you're generally stuck in a room for a large portion of the day, and then you they are, you do things like, I I know things like wood shop. There are places you can go to do things, but I don't know is it if it's a matter of doing it every single day. Is there a specific schedule? How often are you let out like twice a day and stuck in your room the rest of the time? So, I, I'm imagining you get at least a little bit of freedom um, for a portion of the day. So one thing is is that like you're when you like I'll I'll tell you when you first get into like into TDC they put you in a transfer facility and like transfer facilities in TDC for the most part they're open dorms so like there's just bunk beds lining the outside of this like glass walled room and then it's just tons of bunk beds in one and then an open space in the middle and then bathrooms and showers that you can see directly into. And that's where you live. And then you're stuck there for 30 days. Now you might get called out for, um, you're going to get called out for testing at four o'clock in the morning, two between two and five o'clock in the morning. You're going to get called out for testing every morning. Uh, not every morning. Oh. It's going to be kind of random. You're going to get lay-ins the night before saying, Hey, you're going to have to get up for this at, between two and four in the morning or whatever. And then you're going to, and then once you're, you've completed your 30 days, then they're going to move you to another dorm. And then and you're, well, what you're going to do is you're going to go, I can't remember what it's called, but you're, you're going to get classified. And then you're going to, um, that's when you're going to get your job. And that's when you're going to get your new living assignment, which is going to be in another dorm, exactly like the one you were in, but it's going to be with people who have the exact same job as you. And you might be working in the kitchen or you might be working in the fields and that's it. And if you're, if you're working in the fields, you're getting up at, um, your job starts at four o'clock in the morning. They're going to call you out to work at four in the morning and then you're going to go out for half the day and they're going to make you swing an Aggie, um, and, and all day long and four step through like jungles basically. And, um, I mean, I don't know how much of it is exaggeration, but it it feels very much like slave labor in the in the modern era for sure. It, um, yeah, I mean that's and like that's so that's that's the begin that's the transfer facility. It does once you get to an ID unit or as you spend more time, you can get other jobs like maintenance or making clothes or furniture or. Um, Depending, it just depends on the unit and where you're at, like yeah. selling commissary and things like that. You can do all, you can get all sorts of different jobs, but you're going to have a job. You're going to be assigned a job and you're going to do it. And you might, a lot of, in Texas, there are many goods that are made by inmates yeah. in Texas. There's, there's many goods, I'm sure, in Colorado that are made by inmates. It's just a matter of you just, you don't know. And then, um, so, even despite that, despite the fact that they have all this free labor um, from the inmates, um, it does cost a whole lot of money to feed all of them. And then any excess food, which there's always excess food, they will dump or feed to the pigs. And um, so there's that that goes to waste too. And it's, yeah, it, it is a huge drain on I, like I there's no calculus where I can see this being a profitable no, well I do know that it's not profitable for the 
for the state or for the country. For private prisons, they seem to manage to do it. But, uh, but yeah, that's, yeah. I, again, I only know what, like, headlines and, and like, lefty sphere commentary says about these things. So I, I do take it with a grain of salt. But yeah, our uh, private prison industry is a big, big talking point. Yeah, these days. private prisons are, it's it's funny because like a lot of times I, I've heard a lot of awful things about private prisons and honestly everyone tried to get to a private prison really? because private prisons, they were run better. Like they were like one thing is that like, so commissaries where inmates can spend, like families yeah. send people their money and fam families send inmates money so they can spend it on like other f excess food and stuff like that. Well, prisons don't feed very well, so inmates want to buy food and stuff like that. So um, getting to commissary is a big deal. If you have money to buy commissary, you're going to want to buy it. So you would think that they would want to make commissaries easily accessible. Yeah. But in public prisons, they don't make – they make it next to impossible to access commissary. In fact, are you common – I don't know. I really – I could not tell you, but they make it next to impossible of common punishment is that they'll just shut the commissary down. Um, but in state prisons, they will make sure – if you want to go to commissary, they will make sure you go to commissary. You can go to commissary every day of the week if you want to. And yeah. in, in, state, in state prisons – or in I imagine the, the profit margins on that are pretty oh, steep. They're crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, they seem relatively cheap, but like – a thing of one single ramen is like a dollar. Like, so, I mean, it's not, or it's 50 cents, but that's still, you can buy 10 of those for a dollar. Yeah. So there's, it, yeah, it's, it's it, yeah, it, it, it's, um, there's definitely a fair amount of markup on it and they can, they, that is a huge moneymaker if they wanted it to be. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to, to say about the prison system other than it seems like a disaster in terms of um, it's profitable for the wrong people, doesn't benefit the state most of the time. It's, uh, I, I know there's like perverse incentives to get people in there uh, from, I think private prisons have like quotas, which to me seems bonkers. Like you're trying to encourage people to commit fewer crimes, you shouldn't be uh, encouraging the state to charge s smaller and smaller crimes just to fill it. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... I was when I hear quotas, I hear there, so we in the one of the prisons I was at, there was a there was a quota problem there, but the quota problem was that um, one of the warden there got in trouble because they had a quota system, which was. Every officer had to write up two inmates before the end of their shift, minimum two inmates. And if they didn't write them up, write them a case, which cases can prevent you from getting parole. Yeah. And um, if they didn't write up two inmates, then the officer would get a case. And so the officers were constantly looking for write-ups. And they'd write up total. A lot of times what officers would do is they would just come in and they would just um, write up an entire dorm, just come and write up an entire dorm, so that all the cases would get thrown out. But even if they do that, 
all of the inmates get called out. Like they call out all of the inmates to go to go to court and everything. Like like even in prison, you have court and stuff like that, and you have to go deal with this. And um, and courts usually courts not like court is even more inconvenient in prison. Like it's in the middle of the night, you'll be called. Like it's going to be called when you don't work. So it's not you're not going to get out of work for going to court. So you're going to, it's going to be called at a super inconvenient time for you, and it's and um, it's extra punishment on top of whatever whatever it is you're accused of. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to like just lay down a whole bunch of awful stuff on you. That's not. That's not. The, that's not the the goal of the podcast or anything like oh, that. I get that. And <laughs> I don't. I don't want to like uh, propose utopian society and talk about that for a while. I, but I certainly. I cannot imagine we can't figure out a way to have the. The process just make more be easier for everyone be easier for the officers and easier for the inmates easier for the the court systems to process through it it's just so and, and most of it seems to just be the the quantity of people we choose to force through this system on a regular basis or or the not necessarily how many like i mean if people commit crimes they commit crimes so we, to some extent we got to deal with the, that but the fact that the process is so elongated the, it basically feels like it's clogging up pipes, well, even if things are going relatively smoothly. Right. My my general take on it, and it's Malone and I are, are pretty similar on this, is that it's the problem is is that you have to be focused on rehabilitation and not on not yeah, on actually, punishment. I, I was gonna ask, like, so you're working, and that right. I know that at least Republicans think that just like work rehabilitates on its own. But do you have like other forms of rehabilitation? There, there were some really great things, really great opportunities that I took advantage of, but I'm going to say they did not make those opportunities easy. Um, I had carpentry class and um, I really enjoyed carpentry class. I would have never even thought of learning it. Mm -hmm. There was, it was one of, a very select few classes that were available on, on the unit I was at at the time. And I took it and there were many times I could not get out of my cell to get, go to that class. And like, because of, because of the officers or, yeah. and cause they were cause, like, you don't, I can't open the doors there. They have, they're locked. <laughs> so like, right. So like you have to like sneak around to try and get to class sometimes. And it doesn't make any sense. If the wrong officers working in your dorm at the time, and like, there's plenty of times where I would be worried about, like, I'd have to make a decision, like, do I want to go to class today, or do I want to stay? You know, you know, which write up do I want to take? Yeah. Because I have an officer who's going to come in, and they're going to write my, they're going to search my cell if I'm not in it, or there if I go to class, I'm going to get a write up for not go to class, not going to class or whatever. So. It's I I got a situation for you. Yeah, so it's, they don't make it easy. And like, there are so many guys who took college classes, and I watched them so many times. Like, they would cancel classes, and they wouldn't tell them. And these guys would be waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and then they'd finally find out that no, there wasn't any class, or yeah. they'd be waiting, 
and they'd watch as other guys would be going to the class and then and then some, one another officer would say class is canceled like no the other guys just went and they and they'd be sitting there arguing with the officer and then they'd get like a case or whatever for arguing with the officer even though they were right and then they could yeah. get sent to class and it and this like just that was how they got got their degree like was going and dealing with that Malone, Malone. Uh, Props to anyone who manages to make it through that. Malone's mom tried to put him through college, but he like he had to deal with fights all the time. He kept on having to deal with fights constantly, and then the then the staff lied to his mom, saying that he was starting the fights, and that he was ditching school, and so so like all this is. These are all things that they have to deal with constantly, and and like they don't. If you were fo- like if, like, if someone wants to go to school, let them just go. Yeah, how about it? I I mean I'm I'm definitely with you guys. It does seem like education and rehabilitation need to be the focus of our prison system, like, and it's it is up to that system to prove its competence to. I mean, to the inmates to a certain extent, but but to the to the general populace on the whole, and just taking people away from it and then bringing them back later is not isn't getting us anywhere. Especially since I, I think recidivism rates are they're uh, crazy, not great as far as yeah, well. I don't, I, I don't have any information in front of me, but recidivism rates are something like seventy percent, and the and um, the thing is, is that what it really ends up as is. If you go to a prison, you're more likely to commit a crime after you go to prison than you were before you went to prison. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah, and it, it makes sense because you learn more about – I learned way more about committing crimes inside of prison <laughs> than I did outside. Yeah. So, and, um, and I, I still – and part of it is because I'm con- I was constantly at odds with the officers – so I have a very strong tendency to not want to deal with authority, and and I want to kind of I, very, yeah, and I had to learn. I had to learn how to sneak around them, and I can be very good at it when I want to be, but and Malone can be even better. But <laughs> um, it's but you you learn that from from being yeah, inside. I mean, obviously, I know there are a bunch of problems in the system, but at at a baseline, it does feel like. You should be rewarded for being cooperative with the system. You should be able to, the more cooperative you are or the more, uh, not necessarily cooperative in the individual cases with the officers, but cooperative to the process to where if I want my education, I do these things, I follow these rules. Right. I am rewarded with I I firmly believe that when I went in. I firmly believe that's how it worked. And I will tell you, no one is keeping track of that. There is no one... There's no guardian angel or yeah. pearl. There's so, uh, here's and this is gonna be my final question, and then we'll wrap it up. Sure. The parole board. How do you think that works? Uh, I, I, my only knowledge of the parole board is Shashank Redemption. <laughs> so okay, that's not all. I I guess they bring you in front of a bunch of okay, seemingly. Uh, so you like go in front. It's not. Is it? Is yeah, it, you go in front of a parole board. Yeah. Okay. A, a, bo- a board of people. Yeah, and they tell they s- 
look over notes from presumably officers or whatever mm -hmm. and uh, decide. I don't, do they, I, I don't know if, I, wanna, I guess I want to ask, but I assume they ask you a few questions to try to get a sense of what okay. your experience in the jail or whatever, and then just decide whether you stay in or leave. Okay. And like the DA stuff, it, unfortunately, I fear it has more to do with uh, quotas and how many people they want to let out that year than okay. it does with the actual facts of the case in front of them. All right. I'm, I'm going to tell you how it worked in Texas. All right. I'm gonna, but I'm going to tell you that is exactly the picture I had in my head okay. with parole board. That's like the picture I had for years in my head, like about this parole board. <laughs> is it also board. from Shawshank Redemption? Is that uh, it might be. I did uh, Shawshank. I love, I love that movie. It's a like great top, movie. Top three, I'd say. Top movie, three movies. It is, it is an excellent movie. So what happens is this. When it's your date or approximately your date to go in front of the parole board or, or your parole date, um, your file which has a limited, like, it has a certain number of checkboxes on it. And it's not, it doesn't have all of your classes. It doesn't it has, like, your cases in it. And it has, like, certain classes that the state takes care of. And it only has ones that are within a certain time frame. It's usually a few years, so you're usually pretty good on that. But that file is handed off to the first parole board member. The first parole board member looks at that file, usually for less than 30 seconds, makes their vote, and then forwards it to the next parole board member. Like then an email chain? Or? Yeah, like an email chain. Then they, then they make their vote. And if there's a disagreement, it gets sent to the third. And that's it? That's it. Three people. The average amount of time that an inmate in Texas with their parole board member looks at their file is less than 30 seconds. If they have a parole attorney, it's two minutes. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, we will, we will, yeah. <laughs> we will end this extra I, long. Uh, <laughs> I don't even, like what, it, yeah. just, I guess my question about that is these parole officers, is there what is their I guess qualifications for this? Are they are they ex police officers? Are they in like what is their training to get to know whether a person deserves parole or not? I guess. Um, I believe those are elected positions too. I'm not sure if they if they're elected or if they're they actually I think they're appointed positions. Okay. And and um, some of them are ex police officers. Some of them are social workers. Some of okay. and but they're I, usually. I would hope that all of them are social workers. That's what I would. I, obviously, yeah, I know that it's not true. There are there that, that should be. There were lawyers that would hand out these charts of like each individual parole board member in each individual um, jurisdiction, and their answer rates, okay. and it like some of them are like ninety percent no. Like it, it, crazy numbers, and they would break it down by crime and everything like that, and it, it's it's crazy. It's like some some of these, some of these people, yeah, they are not they're not handing out parole. Other ones, they they're more they're far more understanding. I was very fortunate because I came up for parole during uh, a pandemic, and Malone was very fortunate because we were able to find. Um, like a team that was looking to help 
someone exactly like him. But it's, um, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, that, I mean, we didn't discuss any demographic stuff, but it is, uh, I imagine, like, as you say, they were looking for a case like his right. or a person like him. And it feels like that is very, that should not have anything to do with how long someone's in jail. And no. They get parole. They get, and I will tell you, there's lots of projects out there that are trying to get people out of prison, mm-hmm. but they, their, their resources are so limited, and there's so many people trying to get out that they have to, they, they get like Innocence Project. Yeah. Innocence Project is great, but they're bombarded all the time. Yeah, I imagine. And, and it's not even, yeah. Like, I actually, so I was in EMS for a while, um, and I, wanted to learn more about like how I could learn more about what jobs you can get in the court systems or, or police stuff. And it feels any sort of job in that industry seems very obfuscated. I can't look at how to get into it. Maybe, I mean, maybe if I had investigated in school or something like that, it would be uh, easier. Like if, like trying to be like an officer or something like that? or Not necessarily an officer, but like how can I be involved? Even volunteering. Like, oh, I mean, yeah. There's some, there's like some projects helping immigrants through court. And stuff. Oh, yeah. It just seems like there are not good resources out there for knowing what to do to help or telling it is well, you to school. What a lot of times what it the way it starts out for those is like you have to start with volunteer and then it and then it, they just kind of gradually fall into it is what it what it seems okay. like to me. But it's yeah, it's very hard. I mean, Innocence Project is a huge one and they get a lot of they get a lot of support and everything like that, but they're only looking for people who are not guilty of their crimes and trying to get them out. Yeah. And even with that super narrow focus, they still have more a bigger workload than they can handle. Yeah, uh, and I do obviously Innocence Project. If, if finding people that are innocent, we should be getting them out of jail, obviously. Right. But there also should be projects to get uh, rehabilitated people into society better find the people who deserve parole and, yeah i mean uh, that's that was the thing i was looking for that constantly yeah. i was looking for look this is this is too much this is too i mean i've i've got basically i had a 10 year prison sentence which i'm on i'm still doing the parole on right now plus 10 years probation on top of that and there's no there is no reason to be sitting in prison and and that's also it also has to do with mandatory minimums, which are like you have to spend for depending on your type of offense, you have to spend half of your sentence in prison and stuff like that. And there's there's all these other things that tie into it. And it's it's hard. Like it, it's it, it, there, there's a lot of things to untangle. But like I said, like just like the Innocence Project gets hung up on the one thing it has. One thing I feel like a lot of people get hung up on really badly and it kind of detracts from helping this whole issue is the death penalty. The death penalty is um, – it it's awful. It's like the, arguably the most awful part of this whole system. Mm-hmm. And But if you attack it, if you start with we need – this is the death penalty and we need to get rid of it, well – you're ignoring everything else that led up to the death penalty. 
and you need to get rid of everything else. If you get rid of everything before it, the death penalty will fall off on its own. But if you attack the death penalty then and ignore everything else, then why would they get rid of the death penalty? Because they've got you busy and distracted from all the other stuff they're doing that they don't yeah. want you to pay attention to. Um, does Colorado... I, actually, I don't actually know. Does Colorado have legal death penalty? I know where I was at before. I, I don't think Colorado has a death penalty. Okay. I didn't think so. Texas, Texas yeah. definitely Texas does. does. Texas is big on, on that, so... Yeah. Um, certainly would like not to have the death penalty anywhere in the States, but I, uh, I agree with you. It's Those cases are so... Um, There's so much involved in them already that if, even if we did fix those, it would have such a small impact on uh, on society as a whole, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, should probably <laughs> wrap it up at this point. Yeah. Sorry to. No, it's no problem. We can wrap it up. And no, yeah. but thank Sorry. you, thank you for being our first in-person. Get, well, we've had one in-person guest before, but he basically crashed Mullen's apartment. So that was this. Thank you for being the first one who was invited. First invited yeah, guest. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Hopefully, yeah, we can have you back and we can talk some more. And, and yeah, it'll be great. I'm sure, I'll be around at least the building. Cool. But thank you so much, and thanks everybody for listening. The Shakedown is recorded in luxurious Longmont Public Media Studios. And our theme song, Shakedown, is provided by Envato Elements.